Hey guys, Dustin Wynn. Hey, this is Scott Snyder. This is Paul Dini. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio. You're listening to Bat Force Radio. This is Kevin Conroy, the voice of Batman. And you're listening to Bat Force Radio, so stay tuned. Welcome back to Bat Force Radio. Yeah, we're back again with another one just days after. But on the bright side, Bat Force Tom is here from California. Hey. Dunk is also here from in a hotel somewhere. California. We've got Teasus in Jersey. Please. And I'm Robin Cross in Canada. And this week we are... Uh, Speaking with two guests, one of today's guests is easily among the very top comic illustrators of our generation, infamous for works like Batman Noel and Dear Detective, as well as Damned and Joker with Brian Azzarello, Hellblazers, Suiciders, it goes on and on. The other is a writer and director of films like Mother Android, which is fucking awesome, uh, began dipping his toes into the world of Batman on, you know, a little Batman movie you may have seen last year. Uh, that continued with 2022's comic, Batman the Imposter, with Andrea Sorrentino. And he will eventually continue that Batman road on you know, some other movie that you might be seeing in the near future. Uh, so the two of them today are here to discuss a comic book called A Vicious Circle. So this is a time and mind-bending three-issue comic series published by our friends over at Boom Studios. Issue two is in stores July 19th, which is today by the time we put this episode online. So we welcome to the show one of them you know very well. The other one is new to us. Thanks for being here, Lieber Mayo and Matson Tomlin. Thanks. Thanks for yeah. having us. Guys. I'd completely forgotten that this book was on Boom. This book feels so massive uh, that, I mean, it, it's also oversized too. So when I heard that it was a boom book, I was like, holy crap, like, this thing is huge. That's awesome for boom and for you guys. Yeah, booms, booms treated us right. I mean, early, early, early on, you know, Lee, the, the book started before any publishers were involved. It, it started with just Lee and I hanging out and trying to figure out what are we going to we wanted to work together and, and coming up with ideas. And then we pretty much had the whole thing figured out. And then we went on a little publisher search and uh, boom's been great. Like they've, they've been the perfect home for us and they've, they've been nothing but the best. So we're, we're psyched at the rollout and, and psyched that they've pretty much let us do whatever we want. Yeah. That, that takes us right into what my first question is going to be. So a few years ago, it would have seemed very unlikely for a filmmaker and a comic illustrator to collaborate on a comic book instead of on a film. Uh, that was before the time of people like John Ridley writing Batman and Black Panther comics. Uh, how did the two of you come into each other's orbit and find your way to, to doing a vicious circle? Yeah, me to go. Yeah, yeah. You, I, <laughs> I feel like I've done it too much recently. <laughs> yeah. you, you can do it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think Jim posted something about Matson 
if I remember correctly. What, what This would have been 2019, I think. I think Jim posted something about Matson. Jim Lee? Yeah, Jim yeah. Lee. I followed Matson, and in Matson's stories, he posts like these really well-chosen still frames from movies. Yeah. And so I'm starting to see these still frames and, you know, they're movies, a lot of them are movies I know and love and they're great images and just really particular moments. And I'm like, this guy's got a great eye. And so, um, you know, I think I DM'd you or something and we talked about um, I Saw the Devil because you posted something, I think, from I Saw the Devil. And I was like, this is, I love this movie. This is, you know, one of my, one of my favorites. And um, we started talking and not long after that, we got on Skype and I think the pandemic had either just started or was just about to start. Like it was, it was impending. And so we just started, you know, Skyping fairly regularly and we just chit chat weekly. Yeah. And weekly and pretty full on from the very beginning, you know, I was like, you should try writing comics. And he was, you know, we should do something together. And, and, uh, I think you'd already wanted to do that. Right. Or like, that was something that was definitely. Yeah. Desperately. Desperately. I mean, I think, I think that that's the thing is that like, I'm definitely the, the movie person in the room, but, uh, like I, I learned how to read off of comics and like never, never got that far away from my love of them. It's like, I go to my comic book store every month and it's just like, have, have kind of stayed in that. And, uh, just as I've worked more and more, I've just been like, I mean, it's been years of trying to get the opportunity to do a comic book. And then it was finally like perfect storm of 2019, 2020, where it all started to come together. But yeah, like I'd been desperate to. Yeah. But, but, and, and we, like, we talked about a lot, you know, we'd talk about movies, but we'd also talk about comics and obviously Batman, you know, that was, that was big parts of the early conversation. But, um, like I remember right away just seemed kind of natural for us to do something new. Like I think the immediate, you know, response from people would have been, well, why didn't you write and do, and, you know, draw a Batman thing or something like that. But I, you know, because Matson was already doing that in the film world and I had just done Batman for, you know, I was doing detective comics covers at the time. And so it was like, I was already deep into other Batman stuff. I was like, let's do something new, you know, let's, let's create something new. And so, yeah, it just, that's how the whole thing started. We just were having these conversations and it was pretty immediate. Like it was, it was like, you know, we got, a, we got along perfectly from like the first moment we started Skyping. It was almost like we'd known each other before, you know, yeah, it was yeah. Super, supernatural. And so, um, and so, yeah, that's how, that's kind of the, the, super, the secret origin story of this whole. Matson, um, real quick, pretend Lee's not here. When you started uh, getting to know Lee, knowing his work, getting to see that, hey, man, let's work together. And like now you get to work with this artist and create stories with his visual storytelling. Like, what what did that do to your brain? I, I mean, God, it blew my mind. It was fully like my my entry into comics with being able to do like prestige black label book with the talent of Andrea Sorrentino and then at the same time getting to work with a, an absolute master of the craft that that Lee is I, I just a I just felt completely spoiled 
and just completely like what well, I have these these artists who have been doing this for so long and really know their shit and they uh they're all they're gonna do is just make me look so much better than I actually am and so on the one hand that felt really awesome and I felt really lucky on the other other hand it made me really feel like I I like I do not want to let Lee down like I want to make sure that I give him material that is really worthy of his his effort and his time because it's, it's such a huge time commitment as well um I don't know if I'm answering the question anymore but I I, <laughs> I, I, I think that that for me it was really just kind of like wow I'm a lucky son of a bitch that I get to work with this level of person and then all of that aside I think that like the thing that really transcended everything is that um uh like he and I became like very genuine close friends it's like like he is now like my friend for life yeah and like i i think that that kind of beyond the book and be kind beyond the the stuff that comes out of it it's like there's a relationship there that i'm like wow like i got to meet one of my best friends here yeah it was cool it was it was also like you you say that stuff almost like you 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 <laughs> i remember Matson. he sent me these three three scripts i think or two two scripts one of them was mother android another one was a werewolf like a cool werewolf idea and they were they were like immediately reading the strips of the scripts i was like oh this guy really obviously you know knows what he's doing but also taps into this thing that i think is really important in terms of storytelling which is like you know these big kind of genre ideas i've said this a million times i'll, I'll say it again these big kind of genre ideas but they feel really intimate and kind of like the characters really have a have a strong like emotional life and sense of kind of purpose outside of just whatever the, the, the plot is. But like, not only that, I remember with like the first time you did the script, you started writing scripts and I was like, there was no, you know, they were perfect already. Like right out of the gate, there was no kind of moment where you had to kind of adapt to, to doing comics. It, it like felt like you had just, naturally been doing that for a long time it was cool it was like just cool to see that ease with which you were able to vacillate between these two kind of similar but also dissimilar worlds i thought that was super super cool to see and where did sean thacker's story start coming from uh as you guys started crafting this it's a complex story you can see right in the cover art here for issue one that we're seeing on screen there are all these different elements that you're seeing are things that, you know, this isn't just uh, one of those iconic image kind of cover kind of things. All of these are implemented into the story. Where, where did all of this start coming from? Cause it does get pretty complex, especially by the time you get into uh, issue two. Uh, I mean, I think that the, the first thing was, you know, we, we Lee already said that one of our, early touch tones was, was talking about this, this Korean film, I saw the devil and that, that movie, if, if you guys haven't seen it and anybody listening hasn't seen it, like go run, run, don't walk. Cause I mean, it is an awesome revenge thriller and it is a nasty, nasty film. Like it, it just, it really, uh, it just pulls no punches. And so from, from the get go, we were like, okay, we want to do something that really has teeth and has bite and just, you know, kind of find two iconic characters who, who really go at each other. Uh, and so just instantly 
kind of this this duality between the the main characters Thacker and Ferris uh and where you know you, you come through at this point in issue two you, you start to figure out that they're kind of cut from the same cloth they had the same job you know they, they are these kind of super spies but but they think of each other they think of their own identities and what their purpose is uh so differently uh and you know one thinks of himself kind of as the hero as the good guy and then the other guy like we're, we're still getting to know him but he's a little bit more i'll say of a prag- pragmatist he's more realistic um but really playing with that duality and you know like the, the most kind of like dumb boiled down way to to think of it is that uh for me going in it was like there's that that really old comic strip spy versus spy and it was just kind of like okay like let's do like the most like nuclear version of spy versus spy it's yeah it's amazing the the one of the panels robin had up there um the the artwork is so crazily like there's a part where there's multiple parts where you you could see um all the reflections in his eyes or in his glasses yeah. like right there like I, I think you teased this early on before the book yeah. was out um and i remember just looking at it like what the fuck is that and just like looking at that eye for the longest time jesus christ like and and i remember you know we've spoken to you before about how uh how much you get just like so into a specific image or a panel, I was like, "Oh my god, he must have fucking killed himself over that part." <laughs> I like we 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 talked early on about that opening sequence, and um, as soon as we kind of decided we wanted to change styles and everything, I, was, I I immediately thought the opening sequence should be kind of like Leave It to Beaver, you know, you know, if if shot by Bong Joon Ho or something like that, where hmm. you have this kind of natural, like I wanted it to have this kind of naturalism where where a lot of stuff that I do has way more contrast. I mean, this, this stuff has, has contrast, but I mean, it's way more naturalistic than the stuff I would normally do. And it's, you know, I pushed the kind of hyper real aspect of it because I wanted it to kind of stand out from other sequences in the book. But like, yeah, the, 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 um, I think you can tell in the opening kind of pages how into this whole thing was. I was, yeah, like, it was, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was crazy process. Cause again, it was, I, it was the beginning of the pandemic when we were talking about the story. So I think the whole world felt like this, I don't know. It, there was part of that, this whole place is going to shit and everything's, you know, falling apart outside of the house or whatever. And he, Mattson and I are have kind of having these creative conversations within that. And you add on top of that kind of experiences that I just had with, you know, DC and other stuff like that. And I, and, and I feel like I funneled a lot of, uh, a lot of that kind of initial excitement slash fear slash everything. I, I feel like a lot of that got funneled into these opening pages because I had like a laser focus on it in a way that um, I, I haven't always had in the past. Mm. Uh, yeah, uh, you, you mentioned uh, how much you were clearly into this. Uh, and when Boom had sent out the first preview pages of issue one ahead of its release, the one part that I pointed out to people to illustrate the detail of this is that frying pan with the egg in it. 
And not only does that look like a real egg, it looks like a real, fr- the, the scratches in the pan and you went so far into detail on here. It is crazy. It looks, it looks like it's a photo of a pan with an egg in it. Yeah. Some people don't, don't like that. I get it. It's like the photorealism aspect of it. And then that kind of naturalism of it turns some people off. Like it's too much for, for some people. I get, I get that totally. But part of me was just like, you know, if I'm going to push it, I'm going to push it as far as I can. And then other sequences, you know, like the, I think illustrated even better in the second issue. There are some other se- sequences that are super comic book for me, super, super comic booky, you know? So it's like you, you, if it if I'm pushing the kind of realism even more with some of this stuff, it, it a lot of that is also to to contrast with some of the other sequences even more. You know what I mean? So, um, yeah, hopefully. Yeah, it. Um, I think something that I've heard, like what you mentioned, is sometimes the photorealism might turn someone away. I feel like maybe that's comic people, maybe just comic people. But what's so brilliant about this stuff is that. Most of the things I've heard about the book are not from like traditional everyday comic book readers. It's from people who are like seeing this or hearing about it, seeing the art, um, and then seeing like, holy shit, what is this? And not realizing like, wait, comics can be like this? Like Mm. comics can look like that? Comics can read like that? So I think that what's cool about it is, okay, maybe for, um, you know, like people who are only reading superhero comics or only reading a certain type of comic, um, it's hard for them to adjust to something that they're not always getting but what's fucking great about it is that like this is the kind of book that you show someone who doesn't read comics and is like look at what this look at what's out there and they're like whoa i never knew that you know that's cool that's cool to hear yeah it um not not to get like super pretentiously into ourselves here but i mean (laughs) i please do I, i i do feel like this book is our love letter to comics um you know it's like Lee early on just kind of was, was talking about uh, talking to me about his, his career and kind of the philosophy on comics. And, you know, we, we did have this conversation of like, what could we do in this book that you, you can't do in a movie that you can't do in, in kind of other ways. And it, it, Lee was, was the one, was the one who had the uh, just, madman lunatic idea of I, I think I'm going to do this thing of switching the styles and on the one hand that's a that's a very cool visual thing that is propulsive and kind of brings you through the book but on, on this kind of other meta level it is also I, I'm, I feel like now I'm starting to speak for you so I don't mean to like no, 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 no. do, do, do your thing on this but it it is you know it is this love letter to the form and is a love letter to all the different things that a comic book could be. So to hear to hear you say that uh, there are people who are going, I didn't know that this is what a comic could do. Like that that when I hear that, I'm like, that's success. Like that's that is that is kind of the 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 ultimate for what this is. Like forget the story, forget any of the specifics, forget any specific character or image or theme or whatever. Just the idea that somebody can open it up and go comics can do this like i like to me that's the win mm. but none yeah. of that but none of that works if like the high concept doesn't allow for it to work like, like that's that's the thing here that hopefully people will will get into is the fact that the the kind of high concept that Matson came up with that these guys jump through time when someone is murdered i like 
yeah, that gives us free range to do what we're doing visually. But on like a philosophical level, when I remember when he pitched that to me and I was just like, like that, that almost was all I needed to hear. Like there was no, there was almost no, I mean, that alone was kind of the thing I was waiting for, you know, something to do, something that I could sink my teeth into that had that kind of resonance, like thematically and philosophically, because it's like what, you know, if you can illustrate visually and pull people like out of the scene with that much, you know, shock them, I guess, that much with transitions, it has to mean something. Like it has to be for, for, for a reason more than just like, Ooh, look what I can do. <laughs> you know, like, mm, like yeah. it, it has to, it has to serve a, um, a much deeper purpose. So it could only do that if the story kind of reflects or allows for that. You know what I mean? yeah. Well, I, I hear you both complimenting each other's end of it, but none of them work as well if they didn't come together as well as they do. You mentioned wanting to start the story with that, with that realistic style and where that I, I'm sure is planned where that comes in in its strongest point is right before the, first time jump that we see in issue one that is really the emotional shift of the story where we see sean losing his son you about to lose his son he knows it's going to happen he knows it also means that he's going to be ripped away from from his wife as well so we get we're in this style in your realistic style at the you know this moment where we're seeing their their tears and the the looks in their eyes as they have their final moments together, and that was a big part of what made uh, this this issue so effective is having the strength of the story and the strength of the art both combining in that that perfect moment for them to both be there. Uh, was that intentional to have uh, to have the emotional the real emotional shift of the story happen with that uh, that really realistic? Uh, style yeah i think matt's described it once as being like wizard of oz which is per- kind of perfect and mm. it perfectly tells you what it what it is you know it's like that transition from like that first issue has to teach you how to read the rest of the series right like it has to it has to give you the key code to kind of be able to <laughs> decipher what we're going to do later on and so that first transition was the make or break moment you know what i mean it had to yeah. be and and at the time I was freaking out. Matt Matson can attest to this because I, I really wanted that second sequence to feel like animation. Like I re, not quite manga because I felt like that would have been too on the nose. But I wanted it to be like me doing a, an animation kind of cell cell painted cell frame style, whatever you call that. You know. And it didn't. I didn't quite get there with it like it still felt a little bit too much like uh you know I, I i didn't quite go there and so that like there was a point of time in the first issue where i lost my shit and i was just kind of freaking out like this isn't working this is like this is not i'm not able to do this because i started out like, we were talking about this last week uh, um i had this i was super cavalier about the style changes when we first started talking about it I've used this example before, but it's true. I, we were talking about the Cretaceous stuff with dinosaurs, and I was like, oh, I'll just do Frank Frazetta. <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> we'll just do fuck, it. 
Like, what what the fuck kind of person think, like, just that just goes, yeah, I'll, do, I'll just do Frazetta. Like, that was, when I think back on it now, it's ridiculous. Like, it's just a ridiculous statement to make. And I think what I meant was, you know, I'll just try to push that kind of more painterly style. But that's not... That's not what I can do. You know, like, I can't be Frank Frazetta. So, like, I can kind of try to do something like what I would do in that in that general direction. But all of these kind of style changes ultimately are me going, hey, I wonder if I can do um, Dave Stevens or, I want, you know, I wonder if I can do Mike Mignola or I wonder if I can do – and then what you wind up getting is what you see. But the ultimate like, – the, the – the um, kind of nascent moment of the idea is I, I, I'll just do I'll just do Frank for something. That's amazing. You know, you know what I mean? And yeah. it doesn't quite work out that way. But you know, the, 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 that but I think one of the the awesome things about watching you work at this stage is that like you 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 could just coast at this extremely high level that you work where you have a style that's recognizable and people like it and you could just do that. And instead, like when you and I first met, one of the things that you said that again, back to the question of how did I feel like getting to, to work with Lee? It's like this, this really intimidated me of you saying that you really wanted material that would push you as an artist. Like you, you were at a point where I think that you were feeling very, uh, creatively frustrated for whatever reason and just kind of like like I want to grow and that was that was very very cool to see somebody who is so good at what they do still wanting to push themselves because I, th- I, I think that there are people who are like that and then there are people that just aren't and so knowing that I was with somebody who was like that and then you just went so hard at it like you you really I, I, I remember when you posted your first uh, post about the book on Instagram in some of your hashtags, you, you, I, you, it was like hashtag Mount Everest hashtags, <laughs> like, like, like using all my fingers and toes to climb this one. Like there, there's some, there's something like that where it's like, that was totally true of, okay. Yeah. It's not for Zeta, but what it is is that it's you absolutely hulking out into really sometimes uncomfortable directions that are, are not the natural place for you to be. And it's, I don't want to say that it's like, Oh, incredible growth. Like, I don't think that I'm the person to sit here and talk about your growth. Cause I don't have that perspective on, on you as an artist. But, but what I do have is the perspective of, Oh, here's like, here's a guy who's really willing to push himself so, so far out of his comfort zone. And that getting to work with somebody who's doing that, it's, again, it's like extremely scary of going, am I going to write material that is worthy of that pursuit? Like, like, they have to work together. And if the bar is here for, for you, like it's gotta be there for me as well. And uh, I, I think that's why it's been such a successful collaboration because we're both not wanting to let ourselves down, not wanting to let the other one down. So it, it's, it's two guys working hard. I don't know mm. why, like such a dumb way to end that sentence. I two feel like I was, making a, I, was, I, was, I was making a really salient point. And then I, no, no, then I just Let it go. Yeah. You know, uh, to, 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 to kind of bridge that for the both of you guys, seeing, seeing Lee tease some of these things, obviously, you know, the first couple of things that you were teasing, it was like, oh my God, this is the most detailed thing he's ever done. Like, this is going to be really cool looking. Right. 
And then when you started teasing stuff with dinosaurs in it, it completely changed what I thought the story was or where it was going. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck is this? Wait, what? Like, what? What? And then so then I'm like, okay, I got to read this now. Like, with fucking time. Like, I didn't realize yet that it was like time traveling because I'm dumb. But <laughs> <clears throat> um, what I what I loved about it was when I and this is again like uh, from someone obviously not involved in the process, more just a, a dude reading the book, right? But also knowing knowing your style. Um, I'm looking at the time travel stuff and the and the changes of the style, and I thought it was like like when I was seeing it, I'm like, oh, that's awesome. He's changing his style as the time changes, and I almost was like, is he going like? Because you know you've changed the the way you you like you've done like you were doing like inks for a while, you're painting for a while, you're doing digital, and so I thought it was like, oh, he's challenging himself to go back to redo those styles that he did at different parts of his career to fit time changes like he's changing time himself to like go back and look at those time and i so i was thinking that would look genius and it's because because it's still you see those things and i'm like yeah that still looks like you like that's still oh like if i saw that panel i was like oh that looks like a libra mayo from when he used to do it like this when he right. was using when he was using these materials and then so i see it now and it's genius to see like it it for me it just like it looks like time travel in that sense to me because it looks like the styles you were using like the oh yeah I did this for a while but I'm gonna try this now I'm gonna try this now you know it felt like that kind of felt like that I'll go back and do the weird chins that I did in Batman back there <laughs> not like that <laughs> those, those awful <laughs> weird weird chins like what why did I do that I like, <laughs> was like, what was yeah. my chin thing at that phase of my career I don't know I don't know it's uh that's a cool perspective I've never thought about it that way but that's really cool. The super realism stuff now, it's like, it looks like so monstrous and insane. Like, it, it feels like, like you were like, all right, I'm just going to, I'm just going to unleash myself on this shit and just like pour out onto this thing. I mean, comics are not going in that direction. Like comics are not, you know, in general, I feel like the, obviously the manga influence is super huge right now and has yeah. been for, for some time. But when you look at kind of like the big artists, you know, working in comics right now, there, there's not um, a real uh, um, attraction, I think, that for, for comic book readers and, and comic book artists right now to go towards realism. It, it's, uh, I feel like, and I don't know why that is, maybe it's the movies kind of now, you know, those are the realistic kind of interpretation of these characters or these stories or as real, you know, it's as real as, as it's going to get. And so maybe comics right now are pushing things further in kind of a more cartoony slash manga-y direction. At least that, that's how I see it. But, you know, like when I look back and the stuff that I really like, you know, the Richard Corbin, you know, um, Liberatore, that, those, kind of, those kind of artists, I just don't see a lot of that being, being done anymore, you know? Mm. And so I feel like even more... These days, if you push weirdly the comics, like, okay, there's Alex Ross and he's an institution, you know, like he does what he does. But um, if you push realism right now, it's going to kind of, you're going to get a, um, an adverse reaction, I think, from, from a lot, like you said, from a lot of specifically comic, comic book readers. Mm. But again, like, I think that if, if you, if you 
you know, if there's a story that kind of has a, a story structure that can support something like that, it can be kind of a cool um, uh, way to separate it also kind of in the market from what else is, what else is out there. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like there's, there's, I don't know why I got off on that tangent. Sorry, guys. Yeah, you make a good point. It's, it's bleeding into the movies now too, because I got a six year old and all these summer movies that we're seeing that also are coming out, the new Ninja Turtles movie has got yeah. that like live action manga look. Um, they did that with, uh, what was it? The Puss in Boots movie. They did it Spider-verse, with, you know, the Spider-Verse. The Spider-Verse. Movie, yeah. You know, and it's like, awesome. it's awesome. <clears throat> yeah. So it's bleeding into the movies now, which is awesome. But you're right. Like it's, it seems that's the direction people are wanting to take it. And I'm wondering too, like if it's maybe also just like cost effective and it's faster because you know, the, the stuff that you're doing, I mean, I don't, I don't think it's a surprise that that does not take like five minutes. Like this is you like really pouring over this stuff, you know, night and day. So, and which I was going to ask, you said you guys started working on this before you even went to a publisher with it, right? Did that, did that give you guys like much more time to like get this all kind of like flushed out and know what it was going to read like and look like the story arrived fairly fully formed you know lee and i we we had our our kind of initial meeting where we talked about i saw the devil and we talked about the things that we were into and 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 kind of you know he, he read a couple of my scripts and then kind of after that when we came on to the idea i said okay let me let me just go off and write a outline and that outline was maybe eight 10 pages, something like that. And it was all, it was the whole story. It was all three books and it was structured the way that the book is structured. And I'm not going to say that things haven't changed because things have, have changed as we've gone through the process, of course, but as far as kind of like the, the overall big picture, uh, that was, that was the book. Like we, we was like, okay, this is, this is the story. Here's the beginning, the middle, the end, here are the characters. This is, this is the soul of it. These are the emotional touch points. Like this is, these are the kind of the highs and lows of each chapter. Uh, it was all very much there and, and hasn't really wiggled around at all. Um, and so in those initial months, uh, Lee, Lee did some sketches. It's like you were, you were just kind of doing stuff to, to find out what these two guys were going to look and feel like. Um, and then I feel like we, we met, with a bunch of publishers, then we said yes with Boom, mm-hmm. and then the deals took like a very long time. And mm-hmm. I think you had already started doing pages. I think that you had yeah, done like yeah. thirteen pages or, Whoa, <laughs> or something, just like wow. like I didn't even I didn't even have a alone. contract. <laughs> yeah, we, neither one of us had a contract signed, but I was I I I just the the story was so appealing to me that there was something about it was so different from anything else that I'd ever done. And it was the perfect time. Like I said, it was the pandemic. So what else are you going to do? You know, (laughs) but, uh, but I mean, this is the bat force radio podcast. So it's weird to say this, but you guys know that I love Batman. I am a Batman obsessive individual, but like I had, I had had this moment where I was like, if I don't do something different, I'm going to be the Batman guy for the rest of my life. Like they're going to put that on my fucking tombstone. It's <laughs> like, you know, he drew Batman. That that was going to be the thing. And and 
as cool as that would be. <laughs> it, 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 you know, if it wasn't that, it was going to be, I'll just do Frazetta. Yeah. Yeah. Right, right. yeah. That, that'll be what's written. I'll just do Frazetta. <laughs> you know, but, but, uh, but yeah, the, um, at, at that moment in time, again, it was post Batman damned and all that bullshit. And I was like, I've got to do something that's so different from what anybody is expecting. And this book was like just tailor made and not even Matson didn't even know all this stuff. I don't, I think we'd had kind of conversations about some of it, but like for the most part, it was just the idea came independent of him knowing that I, that I was wanting to do something that, that was like the polar opposite of anything that I, that I'd done before. And so the fact that this was, time travel and there was going to be sci-fi and historical stuff in here. It was almost like the package itself was every, everything that kind of was the opposite of what I'd been doing, which was, you know, basically Batman stuff for, you know, 10, 15 years or, or whatever yeah. it was, you know, give and take a Superman story here or there Joker. But like, um, yeah, I, that, that was just, I was so psyched to do it. That even though we had no contract, I was just, I was just going to, you know, and Matson had written it. I mean, he'd written full scripts, like, you know, like the, the stuff was, it was there. It was yeah. there before, before anybody was going to pay us. And, for, and, and there, but know. there was no way this was not going to find a home somewhere, you know, between who the two of you are and the quality of the work. You know, I, I don't think there would ever be any doubt that this was going to get made. Uh, yeah, I think and, the thing that's the question would have been because we were very ambitious with the format, with yeah, you know, yeah. with the the oversized, with the number of pages, and just now knowing a little bit more about what I know about comics, which is still a, a decimal point of the amount that Lee knows. But I do now kind of understand that we were swinging for the fences of like we want this book to be physically big and for it to be a big deal, and it's gonna it's going to cost a publisher money to make Mm -hmm. it. And we're asking for that at a point where comics are making a ton of money where the comics industry is in a a scary place in the same way that the film industry is. And so I, on the one hand, I, I think that you're right in that it would have found a home in one form or another, but it, it's not necessarily a guaranteed thing that it would have found a home in which we didn't have to compromise mm. a lot of different things about the book along the way. And instead we were very lucky in that there was like, this is what we want to do. This is how we want to do it. And the answer was okay. And like, we're very lucky to have, like, I don't sleep on that as being luck. It, it, it sounded like, I think Lee just found this outlet to where, he caught that spark of momentum and just didn't want it to stop. And when you have an idea in your head, you just want to get it out and not stop that locomotive, you know, because the second you stop, it gets disjointed, you know? So it sounds like he was just ready to kind of get off that cover stage of Batman and just start opening up the palette and not stopping until it was over. Yeah. 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 And that- I, mean, I, I say all that and it's, it, you know, and it's, it's definitely not to disparage Batman or my love for Batman or all things Batman. You know what I mean? It's just, it was just a, I think that, you know, like at, at a certain point you just, you want to not only do something that you kind of own a piece of, but you also want to just, just do something that you want to throw a curveball at people in, in a way where 
you're, you know, you're going to lose some butts in the seats. You know what I mean? Like some people are going to go, yeah, this is not for me. You know, like, let me know when he does Batman again. (laughs) You know, I've I've definitely heard that. So it's like, I get, I get that it's a bit risky, but this is like Mattson said, this is not a time like comics aren't doing well right now, you know? Mm -hmm. So this is, if, if we don't take risks now, (laughs) like it's, it sounds almost counterintuitive, but it's true. It's like when things are this way, this is the moment in time really to, to, to throw something else out there. Because when things are going well, the tendency is going to be to do the thing that really, you know, that there's going to be the pressure to do the thing that's going to sell 200,000 copies an issue or, or whatever. You know what I mean? Like, like, yeah. like, like to me, seeing this story too is like, this is the perfect time for you guys to do that because like you said, in this time of comics, you're going to go to the shop and there's going to be nine Batman stories. You know, it's like you're going to get lost in the crowd where this, this is something that's curated with so much precision and, and just its own elegance that you're all, already drawn. If you're a fan of um, MT's writing or Lee's drawings, you're going to be in tune to see how far you pushed yourself. And that's clearly what you're doing. Uh, also that, you know, it's with Boom, and Boom's doing such a great job with uh, throwing different titles out there and not doing the same, you know, they're, they're not involved with Batman, they're not involved with Superman, they're not involved with Spider-Man. Um, they're throwing a lot of different stories out there, and it's like the perfect combination with you 2 and Boom Studios. It's, uh, it's like a breath of fresh air every time they pump something new out. Yeah, Boom's cool. You know, they... Um... I've known those guys for a long time. I uh, years ago, I, I wrote an adaptation of James Tynan and Eric Donovan's uh, book Mimetic. I, I yeah. wrote that into a movie, and then um, I've had a couple of other projects with them. So I, I've I've known those guys for for a long time, and over the course of the last five years, I've, I've come to them with pitches for books every so often. And the first two or three times, I was pitching superhero-y stuff, you know, obviously not like original stuff. You know, I, I was kind of in the middle of writing this, this movie project power. And so I was, I was kind of trying to get my way into the space while also it was before Marvel or DC was, was, was calling me. Um, and boom, kind of every time that I would do that, they would go, yeah, we, you know, we don't really do superheroes. Mm. Like that's, that's them they do that and they've really got the market on that. And uh, I think that's extremely wise of them because, you know, uh, Batman's Batman and we love him, but he's over there. And so then Mm -hmm. if it's not going to be Batman, it's like, okay, then it's got to be something that isn't even trying to compete with that. And um, I I think that's one of the reasons that boom is super cool because they are kind of the place that is doing a lot of, cool original stuff and taking swings like the swings that they've taken on us for sure. But um, yeah, I mean, it's very much the same thing in movies right now. It's like getting an original movie made. That's a really scary prospect and very, it's very rare that people will show up for it. But now we're in this, this kind of crazy summer where the, the things that people know and love like are, are also like not working all the time. Um, so I don't know. It's, it's a, it's a, a weird time right now. And so anytime with, you know, whether or not it's a movie or certainly with the book, when, when people see it and respond to it and are into it, it feels good. 
Mm. And and it's a great time to be doing a story like this at a place like Boom. Most of the m- most interesting stories in comics are not superhero stories right mm-hmm. now. I, I work at a in a comic shop. I have a, a huge pull list. I have 70-something titles on my pull list at any time. Uh, DC and Marvel combined are not half of that. Uh, the, the, Interesting. the vast majority is, you know, Boom titles, uh, Image, you know, all, all these other uh, publishers that are doing non-superhero stuff. And uh, you, you have, I think there's a lot more space for interesting things. You know, Lee, you mentioned uh, you know, not wanting to be seen as the Batman guy. You know, obviously we've been having you on here for years talking about your Batman projects. I have uh, up on my wall a uh, Batman cover that you did for me years ago. Uh, but I, I love seeing you step outside of that. You know, when you did even the uh, that Vertigo uh piece that was for uh you know one of the european covers i think uh that was awesome seeing you stretch into some of those other characters that we maybe hadn't even seen you do before uh and yeah outside of the superhero stuff there's so much space for interesting stories and for interesting characters and i wanted to go back into vicious circle because in issue two the character ferris becomes infinitely more interesting yeah, we, we meet him in issue one and we're first introduced to Sean Thacker, who looks like a normal guy. He's got the wife. He's got the kid. He's got an imposing gentleman locked up in his basement. And uh, wait, wait, there's a guy. Wait, there's a guy locked in his basement. But uh, we get little seeds that Sean knows some things that he shouldn't when he's talking to, to a friend at the bar. And he comes home, finds that this this gentleman has escaped the basement, you know, his his basement dwelling tenant has has uh, gotten out of the place worse he has brutally assaulted sean's wife and son so the right off and you know this is what leads to the time jump we talked about earlier their their son passes and initially you think okay this this is the bad guy you know he's a vicious evil person just murdered this guy's son and, and and took off but issue two there's a new wrinkle to him because as they're coming through these time jumps, you know, Sean finds himself, you know, another unwelcome place, you know, in the timeline we were introduced to him in, he was driving through an anti desegregation rally. And then he finds himself in Nazi Germany. And this is where Ferris becomes uh, infinitely more interesting as the quote villain character of the story, because, well, yeah, he was introduced as the bad guy, but now we just watched him murder Hitler. <laughs> Is so he's he's not, you know, what what's going on with this guy? Yeah, I think that's the question. Um I think that's that's one of the questions of the book and I I certainly, you know, the the first issue is the Thacker issue and the second issue I would say is kind of the uh, it's 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 a, a a weird kind of balance of the two for me, and the third issue is is very much a Ferris issue. Yeah. Um, that's that's kind of how I like to to think of it. And again, it, it it goes to that that kind of spy versus spy thing, and and just this idea of okay, you you start off in this place of uh, hero and villain, and it feels extremely binary, and it seems very clear. And it's like, hey, this guy, you know, he he killed a kid. So you're just like, that's it. That's the end of the conversation. And then the deeper in that you go, it's like, that is the end of the conversation. And yet 
it may be the end, but it wasn't the beginning of the conversation. And then you go, okay, well, what was the beginning of the conversation? How did this whole thing start? What's really going on between these guys? And so I think that, you know, I, I go through life, um, just the person that I am, I'm, I'm always kind of, my compass wants things to be black and white because black and white is very clear. And then you can decide how something is and have your rule and kind of be in a place where you are comfortable because you know how to deal about this person or this thing or this whatever. And as I've gotten older, certainly, I was like, there's, there's no such thing. There's no such thing as black and white. Everything is just varying infuriating degrees of gray. And that means that there's nuance and that means that there's lots of different sides to things. And that means that somebody that you may hate who does really terrible things, it's like they may have some other thing going on with them. And so it's it, for, for, for me, at least in writing the book, it is to, to kind of do that thing where, you know, if you talk about something like John Wick, that's like that first movie, you're like, they killed his, dog like yeah kill all those people great uh, for me getting to the fourth movie i'm like john wick's a bad guy like he should <laughs> <laughs> like he should he should settle down like this seems like too much and I, I i think that that's kind of the fun of storytelling is that you get to take things into this heightened fantastical place and then root them in in kind of the the dazzling genre things but then also have these really complex, nuanced, emotional trappings where, you know, these guys, they are mortal enemies. Like you can't, you can't undo what has been done and yet they have to deal with each other. And there's going to be some kind of deal that has to be made between the two of them and how that's going to unfold. I, I, I'm very excited for So at, at the end of the story too, like, you know, obviously I was trying to reconnect with how I read superhero comics, but to me, it felt like a Batman and Joker kind of thing where th they needed each other to exist in, in each other's world. And through this adversity, pushed purpose. And, um, you know, Sean's not going to become who he's meant to be without that adversity and that loss in his life. And without that, he's going to stay in that time realm. And to me, I felt like uh, he was pushed to become something greater, to have more purpose. Um, and who knows, you know, to me, it's open-ended, but you know, I'm connecting dots for the third and I'm thinking, you know, he's going to have some ability or opportunity to, to fix his loss on some level, but he's not going to become who he's meant to be without this loss. You know, it's about the loss and just like uh, just going back in time. And, you know, uh, I keep forgetting the second uh, Ferris. Um, yeah. Yeah. He keeps saying like, we need to save the world. So he's thinking about this whole global agenda because that's what he believes in where Sean wants to just hold on to his family. So it's mm -hmm. kind of like a yin and yang thing. And that's, to me, it's such a powerful story where it's clear, but it's so multi-layered visually and through this direction, no matter what they have to move, you know, they have to move forward for, with each other. Yeah. You have, you have this, you, I think the, the thing that you get, you find out about in the second issue much more is there's kind of this big picture uh, element of Ferris, you know, where um, it's kind of like the the the, the general mentality where I'm, I'm going to have to lose a few soldiers. There's going to have to be some, you know, some loss in order to obtain the victory that I'm looking for. And I think that that's that's 
something that, um, you know, sets him apart, certainly sets him apart from Thacker. But you, you know, you start to, I think the second issue starts to give you a lot of a, a lot more of an idea of, 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 of Ferris as, um, as, as not just the monster in the basement, but as kind of, uh, you start to get an, an inkling of what his greater purpose is, you know, specifically with the, with the World War II scene. Hopefully that people will go like, well, I, I mean, you know, why did he do, why did he do that specific thing? Yeah, you know, like that's an awfully specific thing for him to do. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. it, it like so. Hopefully that makes so that hopefully that makes people start to get you know start to get an idea of what of what could could happen in the third in the third book. And uh, I, I'm I'm hoping to see more of which of the two is willing to go the farthest to to do what they both think they're trying to do, you know, because you, you mentioned earlier, I think you called uh, Ferris pragmatic and he does certainly seem a lot more willing, you know, if you want to make a, a Tomlet, you got to break a few Craigs. Uh, if you'll excuse the succession <laughs> reference, <laughs> uh, awesome. and, you know, he's, he's, he's willing to, uh, to, to take out a child. He's well, obviously we don't, it's, it's not gonna be uh, too taxing on anyone given the opportunity to take out Hitler. But uh, I feel like uh, Ferris becomes the more interesting of the two characters because he is he is willing to to break those craigs <laughs> I, I i think the important thing too is like you hear these classic time travel stories and none of these main characters ever have control you know whether they they change a blade of grass or they eat something or say something you've given these characters the ability to have control in these abstract situations and that's that's what makes them that's their strength you know like you know, you think of Back to the Future or the Flash movie, he keeps going back and forth and faces the inevitable. Like, you've given these guys that power that we've never read before. And that's what really makes this, like, so different to me. And the fact that... Uh... Also, I think... Um... Oh, go ahead, Dunk. I was just saying, like, isn't it like a rule of thumb, regardless of whether you're good or bad, you have to go back in time and kill... Adolf Hitler? Yeah, yeah like, kill Hitler. Yeah, I, th- I think you're supposed to. <laughs> you got to try. <laughs> have to try. Yeah, like it's like this is a rule. It's an unwritten rule. We all know that. Go back in time, kill Hitler. Awesome. <clears throat> but it's like yeah, you know, it's, it just goes down to the basic thing. Like whenever anybody asks anybody, what would you change, like about your your own life? Like, could if you had the ability to go back in time, what would you do? And it opens up this larger discussion about, you know, like you have some people who who they they think about it very personally, right? Like, Oh, I would change this thing that I did. And other people are like, I'd go back in time and I'd kill, you know, I'd kill, you know, you know, what, what, whatever his figure, you know what I mean? Like they, they think about it in kind of a bigger way. And, and I think that's an interesting kind of conversation to have. And it tells you a lot about the individual, right? Yeah. If someone's like, I would go back and I would, you know, tell my father I loved him or whatever before he died or, you know, something, something like that. It, it gives you a very clear look into who kind of who that, who that person is, you know? Uh, and, and, uh, and that's something I think in a lot of time travel stories that you don't have both sides of that. You know what I mean? Like you generally mm-hmm. have one kind of one or the other that like kind of philosophical connector, like in back to the future, it's, he's just, like he almost has no agency through that story, right? It's just like he's just reacting to like what he has to do to fix things, right? Yeah, yeah like his mom trying to bone him, right? <laughs> he Hold just on a second, 
guy's got to get this. He just wants to take that. uh, He just wants to get that truck and take it to the lake. You know? Yeah. That's all I want to do, man. And uh, another thing that sets this apart from, uh, you know, like even uh, an an action story, you know, like a movie or something is you you usually get the point where, okay, the, the, good guy who's out for revenge on on the villain character he's 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 gonna kill him well sean wants nothing more than to kill ferris but as we learn in issue two he can't you know as they've done this time jumping we see what happens when sean does get on the brink of of killing ferris it is also you know just it's not good he begins to melt and where uh issue two leaves us is we find that this time jumping that they have gone through has brought us to the point of finding where, where Sean found his new life that we saw him living at the beginning of issue one. Yeah. It, you know, the, the, the whole thing of killing Hitler, it there's, I mean, it's a gimme. It's like narratively, that's extremely low hanging fruit. And, you know, for, for me, there was kind of an opportunity there of, okay, like people have talked about that before. We've seen that before. We're not the first to do it. Fine. So instead it's like, let's do it. And then there's this thing that happens where, you know, you get to the, you go back to the first book after reading the second one and you realize, okay, like they're living in a world where world war two did not happen. Fine. Uh, it hasn't changed the need for the civil rights movement in the United States. It's like, it didn't, killing Hitler did not cure racism. Killing Hitler did some things over here and there's a butterfly effect to it, but also the world still has the problems that it has. And then on that granular level, because through this point in the story, Sean Thacker does think so small. It's like what he's really done is he's taken this crusader who is really dedicated and has a very clear mission. We may not know what it is, but he knows what it is. And then meanwhile, he's taken this person and locked him up in his basement. And that also has certain consequences to it. And so I, I think that just everything that we're talking about, it, it really is, it's, like it's, it's, it's where the title comes from. You know, like this is the vicious circle of, you know, how things start, how things end. Like, how do you put a stop to it? It's like, who draws first blood? Does it matter? Like all of that stuff is is totally baked into the DNA of this thing. Mm. So one one of the things too that I find like really gripping is um, the idea of here's this family that you have. You know how much joy it gives you, but you know it's not going to last. So how do yeah. you how do you how do you force yourself to enjoy it while it's there, knowing that it's not going to last? Like it's almost like torture, you know, and and setting aside the 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 truth that it's going to get ripped away from you and then like what you were talking about too lee is like that question you know because it also kind of brings up the question like if you have the opportunity to change something for the betterment of the world but it's to your personal detriment and like you know what if it takes away the most important thing to you but you're saving the entire world it's like are people really going to make that choice like inherently deep down inside like and and i think about myself like i'm i don't think i could be selfless like that i would probably be weak and selfish and if given the choice like well who's gonna know about it? does everyone know that i that i didn't do it like do i get to keep my family i'll fucking keep my family i don't give a shit about anything else you know yeah, it's like yeah. i'm uh, i'm honest i'm weak I, I can't do that so when you see these choices being made and you you put yourself in that situation it's like i don't know if i could do that i don't know if i could make this choice or take that chance or that kind of thing so it's and i love that like 
you can't really get that <laughs> at a monthly comic, you know, from the big two right now these days. Like this is this is where you got to go for is is this kind of book will will make you question those things for yourself. And this particular kind of book is uh, in stores as of today, the uh, the day you're hearing this, July nineteenth. Uh, Vicious Circle issue two. Uh, before we let you get back to your lives, guys, uh, anything else you want to say before we let you get out of here? Um, I mean, I feel I just feel like I should take the opportunity to shout out the writer strike and just yes. shout out the fact that like we're here, we are in this uh, very scary time where you know last week the the actors have also started striking, which I I think is huge and pretty historic um and you know i i i i've found that people online have have been uh really rooting for us and uh very understanding of knowing that like this is happening for a reason and that like there there's this kind of tremendous inequality not just in this industry but across all industries and um it takes a lot of work to make anything whether or not it's good or bad like it just takes a tremendous amount of work and a tremendous amount of sacrifice and and now we're seeing that on on the streets with with the the writer strike and, and the actor strike as well so uh i guess this is just my acknowledgement that that's still going on and while i'm very you know anxious to get back to work on all of the various things um at at the same time it's like i i'm looking forward to having a fair deal in hollywood yeah, and you, you mentioned most people are supportive, and yeah, that luckily most aren't. But I do see the odd person who misunderstands, and they think that this comes down to getting more money for famous people, and that's really yeah. not what it is. Like I was reading uh, this uh, statistic earlier, you know, for so in the uh, I think it was in the Writers Guild that uh, there was you know you needed to make x amount of dollars per year to qualify for health insurance correct and that 80 something percent of the people in the union are not qualifying for that for that health insurance and these are the kinds of things that the strike is about it's not you know that there aren't strikes because someone wants to put more money in brad pitt's pocket you know this is about the the majority of the people who work in the industry who are not millionaires Taking yeah, care of you know, themselves and their family. Yeah, it it was very interesting. You know, I I honestly I did not anticipate the strike happening. I knew it could happen, but it strikes are such an extreme thing that you know when when it did happen, I was really blindsided by it. And then is that that first day or two? You know, I think it was a Wednesday where all the writers met met downtown and and you know all of all of the different heads of the unions were coming together and giving speeches and uh i was i was really struck both at the the number of people there but then also just it 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 felt like um i mean it, it was it's what it was. it was it was basically a political rally of of kind of workers uniting and it was this thing where it's like i don't I don't think of myself as a worker. I think of myself as an artist and that's what we're doing. It's like, we're all artists. And yet at the end of the day, it's like, once you get paid to do something, whether or not it's art or whether or not it's build a house or pave sidewalks, it's like you're employed by the man, you work for them. And 
that comes with certain responsibilities that the man has to take care of that worker that like right now there's just a defi deficiency in taking care of people. Um, I have had an extremely lucky, blessed career. And I, I think that the hardest thing to, to stomach is that, you know, if, if the writer strike had happened for me five years ago, uh, I, I wouldn't be here today. Uh, it's just like my career was starting to take off. And so much of it is just about like gaining that momentum. So that then like you get a movie, made. it's like movies are going to fall apart and people are going to lose opportunities. People are going to lose careers. There are going to be a lot of voices that just don't get heard because of this downtime now. Um, but it is all in service of uh, keeping the film industry alive, making it so that there are more than 10, $300 million movies that come out every year. It's like, that's, that's really what this all comes down to is just making sure that this can be uh, a viable career where people can live. Anyway, that's, that's, that's my thing, but I feel like that's the thing to, to shout out in this moment. But yeah. And, and it is important that people do whatever they can to support this because the, both uh, both unions that are on strike need this. You know, with the the things that could be happening if uh, certain things aren't put into place uh, during these negotiations, it it could change uh, change these venues of entertainment for the worse. Yeah, yeah. So everyone listening, all the projects that you are loving right now, all the projects that have been recently announced that you couldn't wait for that are finally announced, that shit's on hold. Until, you know, everyone who needs it gets what they need. So we hope that shit gets resolved um, and everyone gets to do what they love while still being able to just live a decent life <laughs> where they don't have to worry about if I get sick or if my kid gets sick or whatever, like, will I be in debt for the rest of my life just just because of something that my, my rights live? So, yeah, thank yes, you. That yeah, was well we, said. Yeah, we, we want Matson back to to making a batman thing we want you know i i want craig mazin back to making last of us you know we want these things to happen yeah yeah i'll just i'll just add to that too that um this is a real like uh, different time i mean you know without making this a conversation about ai or anything like that they're they're we're seeing we're at a sea change kind of moment you know i think in a lot of ways historically and uh, like part of i think these these big larger conversations are going to affect so many different fields not just you know not just um like the, the movie business but you know just in terms of what they're talking about like this um the actors union right now discussing um studios want to use ai you know in ways that could potentially be incredibly harm harmful to actors but also just just to storytelling just the storytelling yeah, yeah. in general you know right. I, I think that that that's where we're at right now and people might not really understand or see the fact that if you're working in comics right now and you have a career it's awesome but you know for younger people who who have dreams about working in comics there are definitely discussions being had at larger levels right now within it, almost every industry but i'll tell you in comics those discussions are being had about how they can incorporate ai and save big companies a lot of money by using ai and again it's a larger conversation that it's like not the time or place to kind of have it and it's nuanced like anything else but but um 
you know, that's going to be a huge conversation in every creative industry, you know, and a lot of other industries too. So we got to have these kind of conversations right now because, you know, you're going to have a lot of, it's going to be rough going for a lot of um, younger, unestablished artists and writers out there who dream about doing this business. You know, when, when AI is drawing your Batman comics, um, you know, kids with dreams about being the next Jim Lee or whatever, you know, that's, that's not going to be, that's not going to be an achievable goal. You know what I mean? So I, I think that this is like, this is a necessary moment in history for, for a lot of different reasons, but you know, it's, uh, I, I, I think the reason why we love movies and comics, you know, we do this because it's escapism and, if it's not relatable on an emotional sense that another person is sharing their, their story, then you're not going to make that connection. You're not going to learn from it. It's not going to be thought provoking. Um, anything else that's manufactured is just going to just kind of just influence how we feel. And just, you know, you're going to get steered in the wrong direction. We're, you know, I've read this story and I got something out of it and I, and I, and I imagine myself in this situation, but there's an empathy and there's a human emotion to it. And that's why you guys are fighting for that. You know, that's what it comes down to. And it's just like Lee said, it's it's about inspiring people and also creating that legacy for the next wave of leaders and next wave of creators. Because without that human connect, it's done. It's already dead. You know. Yeah. Cool. Um, you guys, uh, this is going to come out right as uh, San Diego Comic. People are going to be driving down to San Diego Comic Con listening <laughs> to this. So cool. are you guys going to be down there? Are you going to be doing stuff with uh, Boom? Yeah, Lee's doing a bunch of signings with Boom, aren't you? Every I, day, right? Yeah, I will be there. I will be um, I'll be signing at the Boom booth every day. I think I have two panels with Boom, on one on Saturday and one on Sunday. And I'll also be at the Choice Fine Arts booth. They're, they've got um, a few big canvas prints that they're um, unveiling, I think, at San Diego Con, so uh, that that will nice. be. I'll be at either Boom or at Choice Fine Arts, but yeah, that Boom should have copies of book two for sure. Yeah, that should be available at the convention, and um, yeah, also awesome. I'll be. And there's right. a Louis LaRosa variant for it, so look for that awesome. too. Awesome, so <laughs> good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's going to be an interesting San Diego this year because so much of the San Diego experience is usually the, the Hollywood stuff there. And oh. that's going to be missing. It'll be nice to, it'll it'll be be a nice comic to con. see it be a comic con. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've heard of these things called comic yeah. cons, but they focus I, on the comic I've, books. Apparently. I've been going to San Diego Comic Con since 1993. So I was there, like, now I feel old, but, but uh, I've been going since you could walk up to the ticket office on Thursday morning, because there was no preview night, oh buy God. a ticket and walk in the show with no problem. And I remember those days, and I, it was very much like comic book, comic book, comic book. And I remember around 2002, 2003 was when things, I, it felt to me like things started to get kind of crazier and crazier and crazier. But I'm one of those guys that I like that stuff. So for me, it was always cool, you know, that, that mm-hmm. added element of kind of the media side of, of Comic-Con. So I'm I'm of two minds. Like I'm bummed on one hand that, that that stuff isn't there. On the other hand, 
Yeah, maybe maybe this will be kind of like an actual more of a the focus will be on on comics and and we need that right now. You know? mm. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a time in this industry where more people are talking about comics the better. So. Yeah. I know we didn't talk about it much, but uh, Madsen, dude, Batman imposter, holy shit, yeah. man, <laughs> Jesus! Oh, thank you, thanks yeah, for saying that. We we, we did do a whole episode on that one before. Yeah, man, and and uh, one thing that this group in particular loves is um, anytime someone dives into the psyche and the psychological aspect of that character, and you went like full into it, dude. You're like referencing diagnoses and like that book just like i'm reading it i'm like yes 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 thank you cool yes. cool you know? appreciate that so, yeah yeah you know it's 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 one of those things where you know working working on the, the the first movie for the time that i did i i i came into that that process pretty pretty late and um but i was i was just so fired up for the opportunity and and then i i left the first batman movie and just still had all of these ideas and a lot of the ideas are ideas that, you know, it's like there, Matt was so far along in the first one that there was, there's some foundational stuff. It's just like, well, that's never going to happen. You know, like one of the things for me is that, um, particularly in, in the comics, I, I often feel like, um, like Alfred and Jim Gordon, like they can be narrative crutches and like they can, they can often, I understand why they're there and I love them. And I, I think that they are, are really great characters, but I also think that they, they kind of play the same role that Dumbledore can play for Harry Potter, where it's just like in a bind, like then this, the, you know, this colleague is going to show up and, and get you out of it. And uh, I, I really just got very hooked on the idea of taking away some of those narrative crutches and then just doing something that was like, okay, you know, it's a character that's, 80 years old. It's hard to do um, much that hasn't been done before. Um, and, and knowing that and knowing that you're standing on the shoulders of, of so, so many great writers and artists, for me, it was just kind of like, okay, can I tweak this in a way that will make you really go, ooh, that, you know, people really reacted uh, some, some very negatively to what I did with Alfred in that book. Um, and I think that that's fine and a totally valid reaction to have but for me it was just kind of like i i gotta i gotta find a way to say something new and to also kind of get into the 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 psychological and emotional teeth of what could actually happen and when i look at that scenario i go that's absolutely a thing that could happen so why don't we go there yeah it's it i it's it was weird i know it's it doesn't make sense maybe to some people hearing it but one thing that i loved about it is it made me look at the character the way that I see Tony Soprano unfolding in front of people, because mm. like there's there's things about Tony Soprano that you somewhat empathize with, but then realize that he allows himself to like fall into his narcissism and his like he 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 allows himself to become the worst parts of what everyone knows he shouldn't be, and yeah. so in a different way. It's almost kind of like what this Bruce Wayne had allowed himself to become was he, you know, there's one point when Leslie is talking to him and she's knows what's happening. It's like most people try to cope with trauma. Most people try to find outlets for it. Whereas you just fucking became it. 
Yeah. You know, you just allowed yourself to be consumed and become it. And that is now what you, that the purpose you serve is just to be that out there. And it's like, fuck dude. He's like, he's, he's become like a different version of like, I love, I love what David Chase did with Tony Soprano and, and like the, 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 it just kind of felt that like same thing. It's like, it's tragic. It's tragic when, you know, there was a point in this person's life when they may have seen their ability to save themselves, but because of one or two missteps or someone not being there that could have been, they went in the other direction and now that's what they are. And it's like, it's almost hopeless to see it change. And they've just accepted that's what they are, you know, and that's the purpose they serve now in this world. When you, when you bake down to the bones, what it is of my parents were murdered in front of me and this is my response to that. That's very grim. It's not a healthy response. And I, I think that for me, there's, there's so much great work being done. That's in the kind of like Batman as James Bond kind of, kind of thing. And I, for, for me, I'm, I'm just so much more interested in, in the psychological torture of it. Um, that that's, that's where those choices came from. Um, but I, I, I really appreciate you saying that. I, I, I felt very, very lucky to, to even get to do that book. And I took some really big swings and, and wasn't, uh, uh, wasn't, wasn't chased out of the yeah. comics industry for it. And you we, took some we, clever uh, swings too. I liked the practicality aspects that you uh, added into Batman. You know, the things like going undercover as a part of a construction crew, installing some eye hooks for, for zip lines to help him do, you know, the, the Batman things that just, you know, made it a little more feasible to, to believe these, these things. And, you know, the planting of the motorcycles around the city. Clever stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, the last thing I'll, I'll say about that is just that you know, I, I, when when Matt and I were working on the the first movie, um, we were we were working at at his office in Hollywood, and uh, at at night I would finish and I would come out onto the streets and I'd I'd just kind of be so intoxicated by what we were doing and I'd kind of look around the streets and go, okay, if, if Batman were real, like what what would it be like? And I just looking up at some of those skyscrapers and going like gonna be hard to get up there like if i had to just get up there right now it's not gonna be graceful it's not gonna be Mm. nice like i really if the cops were coming for me right now what would happen well it would it would be a a a highway chase it would be a carjacking it would be that kind of thing and then just just kind of that kind of flip where again it's i understand that for some people they really want their batman to have just all the the wish fulfillment and to really bend the physics and and all of that and i and i i totally respect that and there's plenty of stories that that do that that i i really love but it just felt like an opportunity to kind of go into the 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 gotham grand theft auto way of going about it and just kind of be like okay this this you know again it's like we've seen things like it before but but what if i just go really hard yeah. It. Like, will something come out that that is interesting? And and for me, it was, and, and a lot of people liked that book. So I, I'm I'm grateful for that opportunity. At at this point, I feel like, I mean, yours, you, that story, I feel like is one of the best in in like several years because of because of how how much you go in a direction that um, other people just can't, won't, don't want to, but you choose to. And that's always the interesting. Those are the always that's the most interesting and fun story now that i feel like you know we've been covering this stuff and reading it 
And it's hard to get really excited for something that, okay, it kind of sounds like that, kind of reads like that, kind of looks like that. So this was great in that you go a certain direction, you do things um, that people aren't doing that might be too scared to do it, but it's so refreshing. I mean, it's like, it's so nice to, to see someone's, someone's take on it in that sense. So um, very awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank yeah. you very so much. Had to, had to say it before you guys jammed out. Appreciate that. Uh, and uh, yeah, maybe on that point, we do let you get out of here now. Uh, again, we did it. Vicious Circle issue two, it's out now. If you haven't read it, you're you're missing out. Really, uh, we read a lot of comics, and this is one that you want to read. But thank you guys for doing this. Appreciate it so much. And, thank you uh, guys. Always a pleasure. Uh, thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for your thank time. You. Guys, again, Vicious Circle, issue two. That was Lieber Mayo and Matson Tomlin, and this was Bat Force Radio. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.